0: Hi, I'm Ray, a storyteller, educator, mom, and your host of Homeroom, an international podcast bridging the education gap between the classroom and the living room. Growing up, my single immigrant mom was so busy working multiple jobs to make ends meet, she couldn't afford to give me a lot of her time. So she relied on schools to teach me everything about how to succeed in life but under-resourced and over-standardized, our one-size-fits-all education system had other priorities. In this liminal space of unmet expectations, I fell into a blind spot. Homeroom is my attempt to figure out why. In this first season, I speak with people in all walks of life from around the world about their own experiences with their education systems. I want to know what worked, what didn't, and what ideas they have on improving it for our next generation. In this episode, I speak with Leah, a mom, entrepreneur, and personality coach based in Singapore about her experience traveling from Malaysia to Singapore every morning to attend school and how the fear and punishment based education system impacted her relationship with making mistakes. I wanted to understand how Leah's perspective, attending school in Singapore, a country that is often touted for its amazing education system, affected her life and career trajectory and how it influences how she parents and educates her own children now. Here is our edited conversation.
1: So for me, I am an ethnic Chinese, right? Yeah, so um, we are third generation, so uh, in terms of identity, uh, right now I feel that I'm like uh, I, I'm Singaporean but the Chinese uh, cultural uh, identity and the social aspect as well is very strong. so that is how we are when we were growing up. So my family we um, uh, we lived in Malaysia just across the causeway of uh, Singapore, probably about um, a 30 minute, drive if there's no traffic jam and then like so my family we lived uh, in uh, uh, the border of uh, Malaysia. And then uh, but uh, in terms of working and studying a lot of us who lives near the border we go to Singapore to study and for work. So um, I think like it was a choice uh, from ever since we were like uh, in primary school. My parents decided that okay, um, we'll let our kids uh, study in Singapore. So actually, it's quite—it's um, not uncommon to have like um, in uh, in the in the um, town or area that we are in, uh, there are quite a number of families who um, do that, and they have school buses uh, that arrange to go around picking up kids. Um, around the border um, residential areas, and then uh, bring them across the custom of Malaysia, across Singapore custom, and bring them to the schools itself. Um, And um, so we have to wake up about 5 a.m. in order to go around and then uh, go to school. And then after school, the school bus will pick us back Uh, yeah. So when you go to secondary school, it's like high school, Sometimes we start to um, uh, cross the border ourselves. So we'll take bus and go back ourselves because um, um extracurriculum activities and things like that, right? So the school bus will have to uh, leave earlier. So we learned how to cross uh, the causeway ourselves. And then, of course, like ever since you are like seven years old,
0: um, you bring your passport every day across the causeway that's so interesting. And I'm curious were the better opportunities, better education opportunities in Singapore versus Malaysia or why did your family choose to uh educate you across in another country? Actually,
1: I I never really asked my parents about that seriously, but uh I would uh I would just assume, yeah, that um I think even around that time, uh, Singapore was showing that um, the economic development and um, a, a lot of areas is like a is like a kind of a capital for the um, even when the two countries were together. So a lot of things were developing faster in Singapore, um, and uh, and also um, that so the 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 thought was that the opportunities are going to be good there um but also i i suspect because of the ethnicity um Mm -hmm. malaysia has um uh the malay population is the majority and then maybe for ethnic um chinese you might want to uh, be educated in um, another place where um there's more um ethnic chinese actually that part i'm not too sure yeah (laughs) that part maybe um uh not sure whether it's just the opportunity or the race part has a um uh some implication as well
0: yeah so like when i was teaching in the classroom we always heard like oh singapore is great has great education system they know what they're doing they um they really care about their students and i know like in one of our conversations you mentioned that um that some students still struggle in that system the thing is like um singapore grew so fast
1: right yeah so from my generation of education it's so different from the education that uh, my my kids are having now so um i think like um i think my education is in the uh, late 70s 90s uh, 80s yeah so from there i uh, we can tell that um, it's improving, um, it's trying to improve on the system. And then they have like different ways to develop um, elite students. (laughs) Yeah. I think um, I was just sharing with my son the other day um, that uh, your mom had uh, three years of the fiercest school teachers um, in her six years of elementary school life. Yeah. And interesting is like, I, I just thought, hey, I had the fiercest school uh, uh, school teacher form teacher um, from different race. I had a, a Malay um, a Malay form teacher, in, when I was like primary three, and then a, primary five is a Chinese um, uh, guy teacher, and then primary six is the disciplinary um, uh, Indian teacher. Yeah, so so uh, so I grew up uh, very fearful. So I I remember um, there was this incident um, with the um, Chinese guy. Um, He was giving some math um, uh, homework and then he asked, okay, all those um, students who uh, have three mistakes and above come up, line up so that he can give uh, each one of us a smack with a feather duster on the palm. Yeah. So, so we all came out, I think, I don't know, maybe what, 10 of us or so. So, so before he smacked you, he will ask, how many mistakes do you have? Then someone will say three and then and then someone will say four. Pah. And then I was really, really scared because yeah. I had seven mistakes. So, so I was like listening to one by one. And then it's like, I was thinking, no one has more mistakes than me. So so when it was my turn, I was like, I, I can't remember. I I was crying already. I don't know. Yeah. So I said, um, so he asked how many mistakes and I said seven. Then he said seven. So he was like surprised, and then he smacked me, and then I think after he smacked me, I, I cried. Uh, I was like crying for real. Yeah. So so that was like
0: um, uh, kind of normal. Yeah, <laughs> in uh, the primary school. So when you said you were fearful of, um, you know, being hit uh, by your teacher, do you remember what kind of fear that was? And um, like, what were you afraid of? Do you remember? Um, okay, I don't think it's just um, afraid of uh,
1: the physical part. Yeah. But it's also the part where uh, you're being singled out for not being good enough. Uh, you are uh, you don't want to um, be uh, create attention for something that is not good, yeah. And then you also um, aware that you are not the brightest in the class mm-hmm. uh, compared to your uh, classmates because, like, because I. I was usually in the best class, but I'm always the last last few mm. in the best class. So it's kind of like, uh, maybe it's nicer to be the first <laughs> few in another class. Yeah, maybe that would have boost my confidence um, better, but, but, uh, but the, the fact that um, I was in a good class uh, is not something that is in my mind, but the everyday interaction that I am not as good as my classmates, And my teacher is um, is not approving of my work. Uh, I think that that is the part that remains, yeah, in the the my
0: um, learning experience. Do you think that when he physically punished you for making those mistakes, did it? What did it do to you, like personality wise or your motivation wise?
1: I think um, uh, I realized much later um, that um, making mistakes is not acceptable. Uh, That is um, definitely, you learn that from young, right? Yeah. So it's hard, hard especially to hear the reverse nowadays because that is already ingrained in you, right? And of course, you want to, like, now you're parenting your own child you consciously, you want to reverse that, but then you need to know that it's already in your DNA. Yeah. So that, that self-awareness is very critical. Yeah. Um, so, and, and the part where I think what it affects, um, I think even until now is, um, it makes you, uh, less of a risk taker. It makes you want to do things right the first time. Uh, and uh, it makes you uh, uh, to consider all options before you take a plunge or maybe even missed out on opportunities because you, yeah, because you are not, you, you kind of weigh the uh, pros and cons and you decided that, okay, it's, uh, it's, it's too much, too risky. Or either, even if you do take the risk, you spend so much time Weighing on that, um, that you missed out on maybe the the window, the timing, yeah. Or maybe some things have already moved on. Yeah.
0: yeah. You were saying that you felt like you were always in the better class, but always at the lower um uh lower at end. the bottom, right, at yeah. the bottom end. Um, and it reminded me of something Malcolm Gladwell recently told. Uh, said something. He said um, that people who... So it's not people who are most successful. You cannot determine who is most successful based on, like, the prestigiousness of their college that they went to, but um, where in, like, if you're in the top 10 or top 5%. I can't remember the percentage. But um, depending on um, where you rank, um, whether mm-hmm. it's up at the top. So I think what he was implying, um, which I think is an answer to your question, if I, if I interpreted what he said is right, is the best um, uh, thing to determine success, the best determinant of success is if you are – a big fish in a small pond versus Mm -hmm. a small fish in a big pond. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're right that you would have probably been somewhat more successful if you were in a smaller, um, if you were at the top of the less well class. But if we're taking into account like the whole growth mindset thing and the risk taking, I think maybe the student who makes that decision won't grow as much Mm. Mm. if that makes sense okay so
1: uh so i think like um i don't think everyone uh uh will uh, behave like me maybe um i am um maybe that environment um doesn't bring out the best in me but i think there are some people who are able to like um and, and i think i i didn't have enough um either self-awareness or like I was just a kid to, to know how to, um, uh, digest all these things that's happening to me. Right. Yeah. So I think, um, maybe some other kids, um, for them, it is, uh, um, motivational enough for them to like, Hey, uh, um, I'm, I'm at the bottom now. I would, um, At the end of the school term, I would try to climb higher um, to move up the ranks. So uh, who knows? It may work for them. But um, what I feel is that um, because we are only being graded by one dimension um, of, um, we are put into this class and that's like the, the one dimension that we are being graded on the academics, right? So to be reminded of that, that this is where you are, um, regardless of other things that, um, skills or abilities that you might have. So I think that is the part where uh, it wasn't um, maybe explored um, uh, during my years I uh, was growing up. If I think uh, there are some areas that show um, where you can shine, then I think that that might help people to feel a little bit more balanced, the different people, because in a class, academically, someone has to be on top, someone has to be below. Yeah, but then if you are able to show that um, in this aspect, this is the the ranking, but then in other aspects, you know, if, um, other people have a chance to shine, then I think that that might work out better. Yes,
0: yeah. I totally agree. And you're right about this whole one dimension thing. Um, And that really, you're just being judged on whether you can meet the standards uh, that were created by the school or the teachers. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't take into consideration all of these other aspects. And so it's Mm. really about performance, right? Mm. It's you are performing for the school. And because Mm. they're only measuring you on what they think is valuable for the economy. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so it's really a shame. And now that like with the introduction of AI and all these skills that we're actually teaching in schools about to become obsolete, because if we can Google it, why are we teaching it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm curious, like, you know, now more about your sequel, which mm-hmm. is like and about that personality, right? Of Mm -hmm. um, like the extrinsic motivation versus the intrinsic motivation. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you have thoughts about that.
1: So um, the thing about um, my elementary school is like, the goal to do well is to make sure that I don't go to the bottom ranks of the secondary school. So that is something that the, um, my last year form teacher she drilled that in us that um, she warned that um, hey if you don't score well in this uh, exam you will be in this batch so there's um there's a uh, um there's a name for it yeah there's like different streams right yeah so. So I don't know about the rest, but my idea was that I don't want to get into the bottom stream. I don't want to get in the bottom stream. I have no idea what the bottom stream is about, except just the name. I, I n- have never met those students. I have never, Um, I don't know what they teach differently. Yeah, but I just know that it's a place that I should not go and it's terrible if I go. Um, So that is my motivation for the exam. And I, studied probably the hardest ever um, for uh, at that time because of this um, motivation. Yeah. So um, got into the top 10% of the school uh, in high school. Yeah. So, and I think, and and I thought for, for, for a while, I thought, oh gosh, secondary school will be even more fearful. The teacher will be fiercer. There'll be more punishment. Actually, I went to secondary school very <laughs> fearful. Yeah, and then I realised it's different. It's the opposite. We have more freedom. We have more um, the teachers uh, because they have so many subjects and so many students. They don't really care as much about you. It's really, uh, um, uh, you know, they, they, uh, and then I I go to an all girls school. So I think in terms of the physical. Um, uh, uh discipline part is less yeah and also um yeah so so those were the um biggest difference but then it was such a big change for me i right? i think i didn't know how to handle it and i lost the motivation to study because right now i didn't have someone to constantly instill fear in me to mm. to push me to study and i have to find the uh, intrinsic um um uh, motivation to study now right yeah so i think i got lost for a while and then i had like uh existential crisis yeah so it's like oh i used to study four subjects no now i have to study eight subjects and half of them i have no idea what i'm gonna do with them you know so so i'm like why am i studying and uh, why uh and then of course like uh when you go to a better school, you meet with even smarter people. So it reinforced the idea, but then there's always the part that you knew that you um you're not too bad because you managed to get into this school. But again, the day-to-day experiences um is like telling you another story, right? Yeah. So so but I think the biggest thing was that I lost interest in studying and I didn't know uh what was it about so my grades went down yeah wasn't very really, uh uh vested in what I had to study yeah and then I was like oh okay never mind I put it through the first time maybe the second time uh I'll just like cram as hard as I can you know maybe I'll still can get by um so it was probably because like I didn't have good grades. Yeah. And my options were limited after my high school. Right. Yeah. So I could have gotten into the path of um, university. So you go to um, like a, um, they call it pre-U two years, um, junior colleges, two years, and then you go to university um, or you could have gone to uh, polytechnic three years um, that uh, you start to work on uh, vocational um, courses, yeah. So so I opted for the second one because uh, I was like, okay, enough um, studying and books, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I I, I don't think I can, yeah. yeah. So uh, so I, I went for that and I think that was the first time uh, that I was able to link uh, what I studied to application, work application, and, and I think that um, made me a little bit more excited about studying. And I also met um, more varied people because I was in, now I'm in polytechnic, and I think that was an education by itself. Um, and and that gave me the opportunity to see that, hey, these guys, they don't conventionally come from like a smart school, but mm. they are smart.
0: So I've kind of had like the opposite life. Um, my entire life, received the messaging that I was intellectually inferior, and um, and that you know like everything that society valued, I wasn't very good at. Like I couldn't do math very well. Science went like, whoosh, you know, history went in one year, out the other, um, and so like it was really difficult for me. And um, and so, like, my entire life, I've just kind of been like, you know, society doesn't value me. Um, and therefore, I must not be very valuable. And so, uh, and so I sort of like internalized that messaging and was always like, why do you think like this, Ray? You know, like, this is so useless. Why are you thinking about this? This is such a dumb project. Why are you doing this? You know? And I've been like, realizing like oh you know if society measured me on other dimensions then I don't think I would have lived my life feeling like I was so useless and so I want to ask you some questions about um that definition of smart because I think you mentioned that um you realize that there was a different type of thinking that you could appreciate a lot later in your life Um, can you talk a little bit about your evolution of what it means to be smart from Mm. maybe when you were younger um, in grade school being punished for Mm. getting mistakes and then up till now Mm. uh, how has your definition of intelligence or smartness how has Mm -hmm. that evolved
1: okay so there's always, um, uh, I think I think society is always measuring intelligence, right? You've got the IQ tests, and then you got the academics for that. Yeah, so that's great. And that is probably um, one of the easier ones to measure. Um, others are a little bit harder to track, a little harder to quantify. And maybe the application of it is like certain situations, not a lot of situations. So yeah i mean i i get the reason for that but um i think i i didn't get the like a big aha moment um oh this is it but i think throughout my adult life then i i think as i go to different places meet different people and then you just like wow you're so good at that and you just admire them for it right i think um um the speaking ability the ability to speak was not as valued um, in my generation. Um, so I think that is a a bit of a loss. I think especially nowadays and especially like um, social media, um, it's all about being comfortable to express yourself. Yeah. So um, a lot of people in my generation, uh, we are still <laughs> learning and struggling with that. Yeah. So, um, but that is like, I mean, at least right now, it's a valid skill. Last time, it's like, "Mm, okay, um, good to have. (laughs) So um, I think that obviously uh, it came out pretty strong when I start to go on to like tertiary level. um, When you see that people are able to speak, uh, whether on stage or um, in a group where they are able to express their opinions. And then it's like wow, uh, it's so, you sound so smart. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and it's not even like whether their points are valid or not, you know, like I have some very smart friends who make really good points, but they are not confident or not able to express it as well. And they are people who are val- very eloquent, and you realize that this whole one paragraph is just one sentence. So <laughs> so so but I admire them for the ease um mm. of being able to 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 uh communicate and their confidence that it doesn't matter even if um I'm I'm not um uh uh making a like uh a very very important point I don't need to say only when I have very important or um uh, int- intelligent point to say so I think that ties in uh, with uh, the part about risk-taking yeah wow. um, in terms of communication yeah
0: yeah and so if I were to um <laughs> if if you were to define what smart means to you now like what would that be?
1: I don't know. I I think like um, in every trait, skill, or quality that if someone can do it well, I feel that that is so smart and so um, admirable. And yeah, I just like the um, I like the craftsmanship of that that quality. Like being able to um, do it. Um, better and better or the quality of it so I I think I recognize that and I um yeah so in in any area that if you're able to do it like do it well do
0: it um I I really like that and so then um the real test of what you think is um you know is I think like how we raise our children Mm. um and I'm curious how this s- philosophy uh, trickles into how you parent. Um, mm. Because, you know, like I say certain things about what I think I value. And then when I analyze what I'm doing with my own daughter, I'm just like, there is a disconnect because I value this, but I'm not teaching my daughter to value the same thing. Can you give um, an example? Yes. So um, Korean society is very much like a status quo type of culture. um, Mm. And they don't really value you having your own opinions. Mm. Um, And they they don't do very well when you're being authentic. So if you share your real opinion, they'll Mm. say, oh, why are you being so rude? You know, like Mm. that's so Mm. against the culture or Mm. that's you. You shouldn't have that thought you know, or Mm -hmm. they tried to change it. Mm -hmm. And so um, for me, there was a real big contradiction there. Mm -hmm. And so in my relationship with my daughter, she's not even two years old, but I'm constantly thinking about my values and whether I'm exercising that value because I feel like I was so traumatized. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm curious for you, like, are you doing something similar or going against that
1: okay so i think one of the things that you know what we learn from our childhood we get a lesson from there right and sometimes i feel that because of that we might swing to the other side yes to to and then it, it becomes like we overcompensate for what has been done to us but actually yes. i realized that hey my kid is a different kid and we're in a different environment and uh maybe i need to like that is a good perspective to have but then maybe let me just park it somewhere and see how my kid grows and see what is the external messaging because um i think that is what um i feel that uh, in singapore's um uh, education system and also the society it has caught up in the sense that um at least theoretically <laughs> that we want to be this, but whether we are able to or not, because of our DNA and upbringing, you know, like the grandparents and the the parents. And then, um, so sometimes what we want, the execution is not, doesn't go with the the ideal that we have. Yeah. And uh, of course that will be like, But because you are aware of that and sometimes you can backtrack and like okay let's try to do it again so so for me i i kind of see it as a gap feeling gap feeling for my um for my kids and just keep noticing um maybe this kid um is um, struggling a little bit on um, social skills or something then um then I might want to work on that because I also want to see like there's so many layers that, the messaging is there, right? The the family, then the school, then the so then the media, then the as a national national obsession. Uh, every country has its obsession about certain traits, yeah, yeah. or specialty, yeah, strengths, yeah. So if those are emphasized in so many layers, he is already learning from the environment so that he's already sufficiently covered in certain sense, then I might, um, I feel that, okay, that part I can relax. Let me see what other gaps that I want to fill in. I think that's
0: how I see it. So how do you know which gaps to fill? When it happens.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when it happens. Um, Because... um, Because like, if I understand from a personality, you like to have a plan before it happens, right? Yeah. Um, But I probably, um, uh, I think in terms of parenting, um, I don't have that as much. Yeah. Um, um, Also, because maybe at the stage of our lives, um, the season where we're in, um, there uh, there were like uh, several changes in our lives that we had to uh, accommodate to. So I don't have like um, uh, how our... Uh, okay, actually, if I think I stayed in Singapore throughout, I might be more that, yeah. Mm. But because I um, married someone of a different, more laid-back culture, and I lived in uh, the mountains for a while, about 10 years. So that kind of changed... How you mm. see things as well, right? Because um, people who are uh, the locals there, um, they don't have that kind of um, um, intensive or yeah. plan planning for like how they want to bring up their child. So I kind of see that, and I so I um, it did not come from uh, my upbringing, but I start to appreciate some of why it could be good as well. Yeah. yeah. So so for me I kind of like uh okay uh I'm I will intervene when I need to. Yeah.
0: I see what you're saying and actually that's really great advice and it's also very timely um mm. because yeah I've recently been realizing and also my therapist is telling me that I need to have more compassion for myself and mm. to not be so compulsive and I'm actually um learning that from various practitioners in my life even my gastroenterologist recently was like you need to work on your compulsion <laughs> and um and i and i think hearing it from you for some reason it's actually i'm allowing it to enter my body i think it's mm-hmm. because like all the conversations that i've had with you Like you are so nurturing and you're so caring and you also ask really good questions and you have this sense of like empathy um, and it really feels like you care about people. And so like Mm -hmm. actually listening to this advice from you feels like it's the universe telling me what I need to work on. Um, and so like, it just feels, and it also feels like it's coming from a mom type who cares. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's really helpful. And I hope that for like our listeners, that if they feel like they're a little bit too compulsive or, you know, type A and wanting everything figured out and wanting to think of step 30 before you've even started step one, you know, I hope they'll listen to you and, um you know, uh, allow themselves to sort of trust that uh, Mm -hmm. they'll be able to tackle that next step when it comes. Thank you for tuning into our conversation. Speaking with Leah reminded me of a time in high school when some of my classmates and I discovered the Asian chat line, a dating service for adults looking for romance over the phone. I was definitely not an adult, and way too immature to be using the service, but it was the cool thing to be doing in my circle of friends, and I really needed to be cool. One night, after about 10 or 20 minutes of chatting with weird and creepy people, I heard my aunt come on the phone to say she needed to make a call. I said, no problem, and quickly hung up. A few minutes later, my aunt flew into my room enraged. A young man had complimented her sexy voice and she wanted to know who I had been talking to. When my mother overheard the ruckus, she too came flying into my room and the both of them drilled me with heated questions and opinions until they injected their last bit of rage and left me alone to think about what I had done. I remember crying in my closet for hours because I knew I did something wrong, but didn't exactly understand what was wrong about what I had done. After that night, we never talked about it again, but the lesson I learned was that there are some things children shouldn't do and that we're just supposed to comply without any rationale or explanation. Fast forward to today. When my toddler threw handfuls of tofu and curry on the floor during lunch, I was so angry, I yelled. I pulled her chair away from the mess, turned my back toward my daughter, and started to wipe the yellows and reds and greens off the floor. She started to cry, and when that didn't catch my attention, she whimpered. And when I still didn't turn around, she uttered two of the words she knows. Hi. Hello. Although I immediately felt guilt and regret, my inability to control my rage prevented me from responding to any of her bids for connection. She is not even two years old. She has absolutely zero ability to understand that it takes all of her dad's free time to prepare her food. She doesn't know that carrying her for nine months destroyed my back, that it hurts me to wipe the floor multiple times a day, every day. She doesn't realize that turmeric stains and that landlords withhold security deposits when we damage their property. She doesn't know these things because it's not her responsibility to carry the burdens of adults. When we shut off our connection to our children, the message we send is that our love is conditional, that every time they make a mistake or does something they shouldn't, we'll punish them by withholding our love, warmth and connection, the universal feeling of health and safety. Punishments are human flaws. Let's not make it part of the algorithm that governs our homes and education systems. Thank you so much for listening. If any part of this episode resonated with you, please connect with us on social media at the links in the show notes. And if you'd like to share your own education journey with us on this podcast, please send me a DM on Instagram.